Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Hey guys, it's Morgan Zeggers. Welcome back to the show. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Today we're going to start with some food for thought and then we've got some updates on the nasty satanic marketing campaign from Balenciaga. Then we'll go over and abolish the family lecture at UMass that caught my eye. And last, we're going to check out a study on the dangers of wireless headphones. (laughs) Kind of a diverse episode, but let's get into it. And of course, before we talk about the first topic, you've all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. Right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bedsheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. Orders placed now through December 25th will have an extended money-back guarantee through March 1st. The Giza bedsheets are marked down as low as $29.99, and believe me when I say you will get a great night's sleep in these. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton, comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, typically retailing at $89.98, but now just $39.98 with promo code MORGAN. That's limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374, use promo code MORGAN, or go to MyPillow.com, click the radio listener square, and use promo code MORGAN. Thanks, guys. Okay, so first, I figured we'd start with a poem by Rachel H. on Pinterest, because I don't know if you guys knew this, but I think it's really important to keep a diverse schedule in your day, and if you just go to work and you just wake up, go to work, get home, make dinner, go to bed, blah, 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 the same usual routine. It can, I just feel like it has a negative impact on your your life, your mindset, your mentality. So I try to add hobbies and skill learning and stuff into my daily routine, into my week. And um, part of that, because I want to homeschool one day and I'm just more, you know, I'm not really trying to be a boss babe, right? I'm trying to be a, a homemaking, homeschooling mama. Um, I spend about an hour a day looking up curriculum options and just activity things and all this really cool family focused stuff on Pinterest and I kind of create little boards with it. So I spend a lot of time doing that because I just feel like it really pops creativity in my head and it keeps me excited about the more important things in life. You know what I mean? So when I was doing that, I found this poem and I'll be honest, at first I read the poem and I was like, I got like a sentence or two into it and I was like, where is this going? And you'll see what I mean. But it ended up being kind of cute. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to read this on the podcast. So it's called, I Need to Pray for Bigger Things. I think I'm praying to a God who doesn't exist. That's when I was like, oh gosh, where is this going? (laughs) And it says, by this I mean I'm praying to a God who only does logical things, proportionate things, things within the realm of human capability. I admit my prayers have become pocket-sized, even though our God can carry the whole world in his back pocket. I need to pray for miracles like a farmer prays for rainfall, each day looking upwards to ask for transformation in this land. I need to ask for restoration in unfathomable amounts, something like a generation turning to Jesus, something like a war-torn country knowing peace, something like planes of destruction being made new. There is an audacity to these prayers, yes, But wouldn't it be even more audacious to pray asking God to move a blade of grass when he has told us he has the power to move mountains? (laughs) Yeah, 
see? I mean, how cool is that? Okay, so obviously in the beginning, I was like, what do you mean you're praying to a God that doesn't exist? <laughs> but by the end of it, I was like, you know what? That's such a good reminder because we got a lot going on these days. That's for sure. And sometimes we're maybe like caught up in just asking God to give us some some peace for our stressful work day or something. But it's like, no, let's think bigger, people. And that just made me really happy. So I've been focusing on that the last few days. Okay, so moving on. I have an update in the Balenciaga stuff. So if you guys remember in the previous episodes, we've been discussing this nasty marketing ad campaign put out by this high-end fashion brand, Balenciaga, that had children in very inappropriate scenes, situations, where the kids one's like laying down on her belly and she's like less than five years old she's laying down on her belly and she's surrounded by all these things strewed all over the table and the floor and there's a dog collar there's teddy bears with with bondage sex bondage stuff on top of them like leather harnesses and things on the kids teddy bear and there's papers all over the tables, and some of the papers are quite nasty. They are about actual child pornography Supreme Court cases. So looking at that, it's been just absolutely disturbing, and they have found so much now that they've looked into the creative design leaders at the the company and the people that are behind it, and now Balenciaga says they're suing the crew that actually performed the the photo shoot and all that stuff and did the ad campaign because it's their fault when in reality Balenciaga signed off on it. And so it's like, really, why are you blaming those people when you guys were just as equally guilty? And then they looked into it and it's like, you know what? It's not just the people who did this campaign's fault. If you look at Balenciaga, they've got a lot of problems behind the scenes. And it actually isn't so behind the scenes. That's the next step is they found out that there's been a lot of public situations of this happening. I saw a nasty video of a model I believe they're like behind the curtain at a show or something like that, but they're all dressed up for Balenciaga and they're carrying a bag that has, first of all, they're carrying a baby doll. And then in the bag is like, what are they called? I don't have kids. So here I am not knowing these things. What's the, a binky. The model has like a bag holding a baby doll. And then in the bag, it's supposed to be like a baby, a baby bag, but it's got a binky in it. It's got a teddy bear in it. And then it's got a rag covered in like fake blood, but it's a baby rag. So it's like, what is that? And then they found another situation where there's a Balenciaga photo shoot where the model is posing at a desk and on the desk is a book with inappropriate, let's just say that, inappropriate pictures of children posing, again, very inappropriately with one another and alone and stuff. It's like a photo book. And it's clearly visible in the photo shoot like it's not like they just found a book and hit it like no the the name of the book the the author of the book it's very readable by anybody viewing the picture and so if again you guys what i'm saying here is like same thing with this teddy bear bondage situation that we originally found out about the same thing with this book every piece of a photo shoot is placed there and thought about and intentional so who the heck is continuing to do this for all of their creative design and marketing that they're putting out to the world it just keeps getting worse but then what really caught my attention is and i saw a video from glenn beck and we love glenn beck here at the morgan Seger studio <laughs> aka me sitting on the floor talking into my microphone that is propped up on a little mini table so here's what we have from Glenn Beck talking about another finding about Balenciaga. He tweeted out, you don't just accidentally design and print a roll of tape that spells Balenciaga, which is B-A-L-E-N-C-I-A-G-A, -A -A, as 
Balenciaga. B-A-A-L. Siaga, a.k.a. Moloch, god of child sacrifice, and accidentally put it in an ad with a child. So Balenciaga has tape in an advertisement with a child that just got discovered. And the Balenciaga, there's an extra A added to it, which is symbolizing the god of child sacrifice. It's like this gets worse and worse and worse. So here's Glenn Beck talking about it. To the boy's left is a drawing of a rainbow. To his right is a drawing of earth with a crow looking down over it. And on the ground, there is a roll of ticker tape with Balenciaga spelled not the normal way, but spelled capital B, capital A, capital L, uh, uh, sorry, capital B, capital A, capital A, capital L, Ian Saga. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know know the... Meaning of that still? What yeah, is it? the god of, uh, uh, I mean, we've talked about it a million Child times. sacrifice. Ch- that's how, okay. Yeah. I, I, Child sacrifice, pedophilia, unstoppable right. sex. And evil and... Yeah, uh, yeah. Moloch. Right. It is the ancient uh, uh, god in the Bible, Moloch, or Baal, B-A-A-L. Um, it is a Canaanite god of child sacrifice. Okay. Nice. You'll find in in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 19, Baal is identified as Moloch, and a crude drawing shows a horned animal that resembles Baal. So that's also in the picture. Now, this is no accident for a couple of reasons. The company had to have had this ticker tape designed and printed and put on the floor. Also, in March, at a Paris show for this company, Kim Kardashian wore a full body dress made only of ticker tape with the word Balenciaga on it, but it was spelled correctly. Now, if one of those things would have appeared on their own, it would be one thing. But putting these things together and then seeing the people behind it, it becomes very clear. Okay, so... I showed you that because it's just another example now of this nasty rabbit hole exposing this brand. Now, it seems like the news that we find out about it is just going to keep getting worse. (laughs) So I encourage you guys to pay attention and keep your eye out for any new updates. I'll keep my eye out as well. The bottom line is there are dark forces out there that most importantly want to go after children. It's so important to them because, first of all, from a political standpoint, the darker forces out there like communists, they want to break down the nuclear family unit because that's like the smallest unit of government, right? Beyond yourself, where I think you should obviously be able to self-govern. You should have control over your own body. You should make sure that you bring discipline to your own life and, and make practical decisions and have that individual freedom. But I believe freedom only truly comes with discipline. That's a whole different discussion. There's that individual aspect of being, you know, a unit of government. But the next larger one is that family unit. And it also ties a system of government within the little family unit that it is with emotion. You know, you don't necessarily have strong emotion and love for the general unit of governance that is a federal government or your state or even your town. Like, yes, you have 
concern for your town and the people in your town. But at the end of the day, the family unit can be so powerful and so important when it comes to the thriving or the decline of a society because humans have emotion and an element of structure and service all tied together in that family unit. I think it's just really beautiful when you think about it. Now, I need to go on a little rant because I know we were supposed to talk about kids with this Balenciaga stuff, and I think that's so important to protect child innocence. But I got to reflect on something. I was talking with my dad um, because I've been in New York a lot more these days because my dad's doing his treatments for the cancer stuff that I've told you about before. If you are new to this show, my dad's got cancer. It's just a thrilling experience. <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine. So, um, I used to live in Texas. I still have my Texas place, but I basically am at my parents' house in New York all the time because I want to spend time with them. I am blessed with the freedom and flexibility in my schedule and my work schedule to be able to do that. And just this time in my life, I am able to be here instead. And so now he's going to Boston a lot for like radiation and everything. And I'm the keeper of the property. I've basically, instead of having my own homestead, I'm turning my parents' property into my homestead for now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's a blast. I basically, if my parents are here and not doing the treatment in Boston, I am third wheeling their entire life. Their whole life is just them on a date plus Morgan as the third wheel. It's a blast. So either way, I'm talking with my dad and we were discussing like the creation of social security and of these massive pension programs that previous generations, not really millennials or Gen Z's, experience and are still benefiting from and will benefit from. We have a major budget problem when it comes to social security and pensions, especially with the government employees and former government employees. That's a huge discussion. But in general, what we were discussing was more so about how like generations used to stay together in families. And we talk a lot about how the government is basically replacing the role of man in a family unit by this welfare state that's created where a woman can be a single mom or just a single woman in general. She doesn't really need the financial providing of a man for her family. And it, this is especially seen in, in black America. But the government has successfully told people that, hey, you don't have to have a strong family unit. We'll take care of you financially if anything happens. And so it really de-incentivizes certain practices and behaviors. And that's a really harsh truth. People don't like to talk about it. They don't like to talk about the effect on Black America specifically. But I have seen a rising amount of people discussing this. And I'm getting off topic here. But basically, what the government is so successful at doing is replacing important members of the family and the family unit by just financially providing for them with government programs. And this is destructive in many ways. But what we've, we don't really talk about as much is the older generations of a family. They are also having an impact on their own lives because our, our government basically stepped in and said, hey, we're going to eliminate your need to stay together as a family. We're going to give you the social security, the pensions that we need. And I know this is a big discussion. I'm just saying like this popped into my head recently because it makes me kind of sad that we are now technically so financially independent. I mean, if you think about it, our seniors still struggle financially because the government checks are so small compared to what you really need to live a happy life these days. But we've taught that it's okay to live separately from generations of your family to live on other ends of the country 
because they will at least be able to financially provide for each other. And in the past, just a couple of generations ago, generations used to live, if not in the same town, literally like in the same homes together because the elderly needed to be taken care of. And it wasn't that crazy to have an older member of your family be living at the home. And what you would see too is a really strong bond between the elderly members of your family and the young children of the family who were able to spend that time together and then the parents could kind of have a little bit more freedom and didn't have the stress of being the only people to take care of those young kids. It's like when we broke up that generational bonding and that generational time spent between family members, it's kind of really sad. And I've just been thinking about it ever since. So speaking of the Balenciaga attack on children and then that that other thing that just came to my mind about our elderly generations, there's something that caught my eye. And this is like right up my alley. So a few years ago when I first started my nonprofit and I was just kind of doing these like random short interviews with people from socialist countries and looking a lot into history, I was specifically looking at the tactics of the left. I realized for the first time ever, really, because I had like my head in the sand when I was going through school, I realized how important culture was. And by that, I mean the the culture of each country that experienced a communist uprising, how the culture was attacked, specifically the cultural revolution, but also just in other countries, you saw the attack of femininity, of masculinity, you saw the creative, this like unigender, whatever it's called, unisex, where there was no real identity. And people were basically told, like, listen, you're not special. You have no special things. You are a unit of government measurement. And you will be considered as such when it comes to how you're treated in this country. And it made me really sad. And so what caught my eye is this recent speech lecture thing hosted at UMass Boston by a scholar. And it was titled Abolish the Family. It was put on by the Center for the Humanities, Culture, and Society, ironic name, It was called Abolish the Family, a talk by Sophie Lewis, author of Full Surrogacy Now, Feminism Against Family. (sighs) Let's see. It says, Challenging the Rhetoric of Motherhood. So the article is by Giovanna Johnson from Gordon College. It's at thecollegefix.com. And it starts with saying, Challenging the Rhetoric of Motherhood, in quotations. Hillary Clinton once famously wrote a book titled It Takes a Village. One feminist scholar is taking that argument one step further, arguing children should be raised by society rather than just their parents. An expert on feminist, trans, and queer politics and philosophy, scholar Sophie Lewis, on November 16th, spoke at UMass Boston at an event named after her October 2022 book, Abolish the Family, a Manifesto for Care and Liberation. Sophie has said in her various writings and interviews that her goal through abolishing the family is to reimagine the notion of the family past fatherhood and motherhood into a more universal sense where children are not just property of their parents, but raised by society as a whole. She spoke at UMass Boston at the invitation of the Center for Humanities, Culture, and Society. Lewis, in an interview with The College Fix, said the center invited her given her fearless and rigorous work breaking from traditional ways of thinking about institutions, such as the family. (laughs) Wait a second. This is her describing her own work? Guys, if you ever describe your own work as fearless and rigorous, you just need to question yourself a little bit. Humble yourself just a little bit, please, Sophie. Okay. A flyer for her UMass Boston event touted her August 2021 book, 
full surrogacy now, feminism against family. Quote, let us overthrow, in short, the family, end quote. Its online description states, Lewis has become something of an expert on the abolish the family concept. She said, quote, I suppose that I'm called to the challenge of thinking about these really difficult questions of how those intimate spheres are affected by capitalism and how they are political, she said in an interview with Ben Smoke of Verso Books. She described the concept as, quote, infrastructures that would mean that the family was a domain of real choice or real freedom and you weren't coerced into needing it so much. One review said, quote, we all deserve better than the family, Lewis argues, and it's up to all of us to build new forms of solidarity and care that reach beyond biology or even kin, even if we don't know quite what they'll look like. Abolish the family will make you want to find out. In response to a question from the College Fix about her theory, Lewis provided links to other interviews she has done. Lewis, in her interview with Verso, said, quote, The left needs to get a little braver also at challenging the rhetoric of motherhood. Because a lot of people who do mothering, I call them motherers, just to ram home the point, that we can mother one another after the abolition of the family. This is what we will hopefully be lifting up. In her journal article headlined Mothering Against Motherhood, Doula work, Xena hospitality, and the idea of the mom rad, as in comrade, she elaborated on her concept. She said, quote, To abolish the family is not to destroy relationships of care and nurturance, but on the contrary, to expand and proliferate them. Reflecting on the conditions of possibility for such universally xenofamilial, that is to say, com- comradely, I can't I can't keep up with this communist language. She says reflecting on the conditions of possibility for such universally xenofamilial, that is to say comradely <laughs> kin relations, this article implicitly argues for utopianism in feminist kinship studies. In her interview with Verso Books, she further described children as being likened to quote property in modern culture which is a facet of her rationale for a utopia-style familial idea with no sense of individual parental relationships. So I think here it's a little strange because I'm looking at what this woman looks like. She's a young woman, and to be honest, I'll be very clear about this. Human history has been around. We are now able to evaluate thousands and thousands of years of human interactions, of human nature, of how societies form. And I don't want to argue this in the biblical way because not everybody is looking at it from a biblical way. Not everybody has that view of the world. So just keep this in mind, you guys. You're not going to be effective in communicating this kind of stuff from a biblical lens when you're talking to non-Christians. It just is not going to compute for them, okay? That's just how it works. So if you're if you're trying to make the case for this kind of stuff without referring to the Bible for why there should be a man and a woman leading children in a family unit, there's plenty of opportunities to do that. And that's basic human nature. It's basic science. It's the fact that humans, when we create human beings, we release deep connection hormones to those babies. We don't release deep connection hormones to just any children that we see in our community. We don't look at random babies and go, wow, I've now deeply primally bonded to those children. No, our our bodies, scientifically when a woman releases these hormones it's right away when she sees the pregnancy stick i don't know if you guys knew this i find it fascinating like all the science about 
reproduction and stuff is just so interesting to me because it really highlights the differences between men and women and our strengths and stuff. When a woman, for example, has sex, like she releases deep connection hormones to that man, he does not. <laughs> so if you as, you know, Teen Vogue or if we see a, a women's magazine or women's pop culture sources and they're telling young girls to go embrace hookup culture and you're going to be fine, you're going to feel empowered, it's going to be so exciting – they are ignoring basic science that a woman's body, a girl's body, especially because they're pushing this on young girls and teens, you will release deep connection hormones to this random guy that you just met on Tinder that now you're sleeping with. So please consider that. You're not going to feel empowered the next day. No matter how much you tell yourself you don't care about the guy, it doesn't change the fact that scientifically your body doesn't really know that or not. They just say, oh, wow, we're deep connect bonding to this man right here that we're doing it with. Men don't feel that way. So hookup culture is very toxic for young women, especially for our mental health, too. Same thing when you find out that you're pregnant. And this is part of the, the point against her is like she's attacking capitalism. She's attacking standard human practices that are just outdated, like expecting a family unit to exist versus being in a community of children. But I'm sorry, that's human nature. That's primarily how it works. When a woman pees on a stick and sees the plus sign for being pregnant, when she finds out that she's pregnant by looking at the pregnancy test, she releases deep connection hormones to that baby. So first of all, if we're talking about the abortion scam, let's discuss that for a second. If you tell a woman she's going to be fine when she has an abortion, let's not even talk about how damaging it will be to her body, her mental health to like remove a child from her womb, all that stuff. Just consider the one fact alone that she's already released deep bonding connection hormones to the baby, to the baby. That she, well, as soon as she found out she was pregnant, she's already deep bonded to that baby. And so if you have her abort it, like you could tell her all the time, like, oh, it's just nothing. It's just a clump of cells. It's whatever. Tell her that all you want, but you are lying to her. Okay. And so it's very pro woman to openly discuss this kind of stuff because we care about the women that are being lied to and that are being told they'll be fine if they just get a quick little abortion at Planned Parenthood. So then taking that into the next thing, it's like, I'm sorry, but a family unit exists for a reason. First of all, yes, the parents deeply bond to their children primally, naturally. It's just how our science works with our bodies. So that's important to consider. For men, they don't release that deep connection hormone, you guys, until they like see the baby being born. I find that fascinating too. It's like the woman releases it as soon as she sees the pee stick. The man, when he's there and experiencing the baby being brought into the world, that's when his body releases those same deep connection hormones. So it's very different. On top of that, if you place the baby onto your skin, skin onto skin, both the mother and the father within the first you know, moments of birth. And then I think the first few hours, it's really important as well. I'm not going to go deep onto that, but it's really cool. Maybe we could talk about it in the future. That has a significant effect on the future connections between that child and their parents and then also just a child's ability to feel calm and peace and all that stuff. It's really cool. Now, taking it another step of like, okay, baby, find out that the baby's there. We found out that the baby is now born. You're deeply connected to it, all that stuff. We also need to consider the fact that we didn't just randomly come up with the fact that like, hey, a woman had sex with a man. They are now pregnant as a couple and they should be forming a nuclear family unit because that's just what's right. And it's super random, but we just need to make them stay together, all that stuff. No, I mean, th this didn't just randomly get created by humans. This is just how humans naturally scientifically work. We have that more masculine protector provider source in the man and then we have that more nurturing comforting 
and raising up of the babies into little human beings form in the mother. And we have our strengths and our weaknesses as each sex. And when we combine those two, as a husband, as a wife, a mother and a father, two separate roles, two separate amounts of strengths and weaknesses in each, that when formed together create a beautiful, a beautiful connection that properly gives, if done right, all the needed things that a child needs when they are forming up into an adult through their childhood, that is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's natural. It's primal. It's it's what's best. It's You don't have to play the religious card. You don't have to play the conservative card. You don't have to play the, oh, it's just an archaic form that we need to reconsider now that we're in modern ages and stuff. No, this is just basic science, and it has been proven to be the best way to bring children into this world. So I find her really weird that she thinks all of a sudden she is like going to recreate the structure of the family unit just by her political philosophy views in anti-capitalism and pro-modernism. It's so strange. Thank you, Sophie, but no. So then I want to take it a step further because you'll see that she also then goes into attacking motherhood. This is something that we see by the left quite a lot, and it reminds me of an experience from 20, when was it? I think 2019 at the Socialist Party Convention of 2019. Now, this guy named Jarrett Stepman went to, he's not a socialist, he's on our side. He went to the Socialist Party Convention right before COVID had happened, I believe, and then wrote about what he heard them say at their speaking events. And one of the situations was them talking about how they need to free women from the burden of pregnancy. They need to free women from the burden of expectations of what a woman is supposed to do in society. And I found it fascinating because what does the left do whenever we discuss something that has to do with a woman's body or children or motherhood or anything like that? As soon as they're upset, they get their little handmaid's tail outfits on, their red capes and their white little hats that they tie around their necks. It's so stupid. And they shriek about how they feel like Republicans are going to bring them one step closer every year to becoming straight up the creation in the real world of the show, The Handmaid's Tale. It's embarrassingly stupid. They do this every time. It's not a shock. They have their capes and their outfits, their costumes in the closet. And then as soon as they see something they don't like, they're like, let me go put this on and go protest in my outfit. But here's what the left at the actual Socialist Party convention in 2019 of America, here's what they advocated for. A full-blown surrogacy system. Yeah, they had an entire panel dedicated to talking about the expectations of family and women and all that stuff. And one of the speakers was specifically talking about how we need to free women from the oppression of having to give birth and to be pregnant because she didn't possibly consent to it. So if she doesn't want to be pregnant, what can she do? And so the speaker then starts to propose a government, get this, a government surrogacy system where women, it would be their job via the government to become surrogates for women that just didn't want to face the oppression of having to bear their own children. Does that sound oddly familiar? Does it not sound a bit sketchy? A bit strange, because if I'm remembering right, they're the ones who are so scared of the Handmaid's Tale story where women are forced into becoming 
surrogates for higher up wealthier women who are more more important than them. But now you have the socialist party saying that in order to achieve full-blown feminism, we have to free women from having babies, the burden, the oppression of being pregnant. And to do that, we will force women via government programs to become surrogates for other women. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I have to go very far down a rabbit hole, you guys. It's literally at their public socialist party convention. So I remember I reached out to Jarrett and I was like, Jarrett, Next time they have one of these, I want to go. Let's go to the next one. And then COVID hit. And so that never happened. But maybe we should find out about the next one and go to it, you guys, because that would be wild. These people are crazy. It's not like they're hiding behind closed doors and doing this in secret rooms, talking about surrogacy programs for the ultimate form of feminism. They are straight up talking about this at their public conventions. I think this one was in Chicago. Look it up. I swear to God, you can Google probably Jarrett Stepman, Chicago. 2019 Socialist Party Convention surrogate program. Boom! You'll be able to find it. Okay, and now to finish out the episode, I wanted to keep you guys aware of another health thing because I love it so much. I found an article from Child Defense or no ChildHealthDefense.org titled "How Wireless Headphones Could Lead to Neurological Disorders." It's by Dr. Joseph Mercola. I use wired headphones like an original gangsta. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I shouldn't say that. Like an OG. For some reason, our society, I'm just going to say this. For some reason, our society is like obsessed with getting the most expensive this, the fanciest this, that, you know, we used to for a while judge people that didn't have the AirPods. And if you had wired, it was kind of an indication that you were lower class, that you weren't as in the know, that you weren't as cool or good or uh, didn't have that status of having the AirPods, right? Well, joke's on you, losers. Turns out... That when we just get so excited about new technology and the new thing and the new pricey thing to show off our wealth, we actually might be making some major mistakes that have long-term consequences. So I do not use AirPods anymore. I used to use them and I had other noise-canceling ones because I fly all the time. I don't really fly as much, but I used to be on planes multiple times a week, and that constant background noise will drive a woman crazy, I swear. Uh, I was going to go insane because I was constantly listening to the you know what I mean so I got these noise canceling airpods and they work like a charm until I started finding out this nasty stuff now I will say I don't know if it works or not but I have these emf harmony patches on my laptop my airpods my phone and a few other technological things it's a little pricey I'm gonna be honest but I have no children and what's that What's that movie quote? I'm 27 years old. I have no prospects. I have burden on my parents. <laughs> That's me. I just spend all my money on goat milk, face cream, and EMF protectors for my technology. <laughs> One day I'll spend my money on my kitties. Now, back to the article. This is a crazy episode. Here we go. Um, <laughs> It's again, it's called How Wireless Headphones Could Lead to Neurological Disorders. Wireless headphones like Apple's popular AirPods could be dangerous to human health, according to a petition signed by 250 scientists. So I'm actually going to read the story at a glance thing first. 
so that you can get a good picture. It says, story at a glance, wireless headphones like Apple's popular AirPods could be dangerous to human health, according to a petition signed by 250 scientists. The petition to the UN, United Nations, led by the International Electromagnetic Field Alliance, takes aim at non-ionizing electromagnetic fields, EMFs, which are used by AirPods and other Bluetooth devices, such as cell phones and Wi-Fi which emit radio frequency radiation, RFR. The devices, which include not only AirPods, but also other wireless Bluetooth headphones, communicate with one another by sending a magnetic field through your brain. One scientist who signed the petition believes the use of earbuds is akin to a giant experiment and could increase your risk of neurological disorders. Now, before I read you this full article, you guys, I want to let you know we are not crazy for caring about this. I saw a Tucker Carlson. I think it was a Sunday special. He literally did a Sunday special or a full-blown episode talking about how just like when big tobacco was lying about the impact of uh, cigarettes and that kind of stuff in our system because they literally lied about it for a long time and they were like, no, no, it's totally healthy to smoke cigarettes. Just like they lied about that, Tucker Carlson basically accuses the tech companies of hiding that same kind of stuff from us about the technology that we use, like our iPhones and earpods and stuff. Isn't that kind of crazy? So Tucker's on our side about this. We have solidarity, as the left would say. <laughs> My cat is looking at me like I'm crazy. Um, Okay. It says the divisives, which not only include AirPods, but other wireless Bluetooth headphones, bring a new level of function and convenience to those looking to listen to music, podcasts, audiobooks, and more while on the go. It says since their introduction, more than 44 million AirPods have been sold. Forecasts were that 80 million would be sold in 2020, but when the tally finally came in, that actually hit over 100 million. It's an undeniable, alluring bit of technology, one that was further made into a necessity of sorts when Apple removed the headphone jack from its iPhone 7. It's like they're trying to kill us. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, But it's one that may come at a steep price. Honestly, seriously, why did they do that? Why did they remove the Apple headphone jack? The petition to the United Nations, led by the International Electromagnetic Field Alliance, takes aim at both non-ionizing electromagnetic fields, EMFs, which are used by AirPods and other Bluetooth devices, as well as cell phones and Wi-Fi, which emit radio frequency radiation, RFRs. Scientists warn of danger. The petition, which was originally released in 2015 and updated in 2019, is an international appeal from scientists who worked closely in the study of the health effects of non-ionizing EMF. For decades, the industry has claimed that non-ionizing radiation is harmless, and the only radiation worth worrying about is ionizing radiation. On the contrary, the scientists state, quote, based upon peer-reviewed published research, we have serious concerns regarding the ubiquitous and increasing exposure to EMF generated by electric and wireless devices. These include, but are not limited to, radio frequency radiation emitting devices such as cellular and cordless phones and their base stations, Wi-Fi, broadcast antennas, smart meters, and baby monitors. (gasps) See, like, I really like the idea of a baby monitor, but I definitely don't want a baby monitor if it's bad. Oh, no. Me and my non-existent husband are going to have to discuss this tonight. as well as electric devices and infrastructures used in the delivery of electricity that generate extremely low-frequency electromagnetic field. Noting the International Agency for Research on Cancer's classification of EMF as a possible human carcinogen, 
Exclamation point. They also stated numerous scientific publications show EMF affects organisms at levels well below most international and national guidelines. Huh. Among the potential risks of exposure to EMF include cancer, cellular stress, increase in harmful free radicals, genetic damages, structural and functioning changes in the reproductive system. What? Structural and functional changes in the reproductive system. Absolutely not. It's like the most important thing to me. I cannot be messing with that. Learning and memory deficits. That's definitely me. I can't remember anything. Um, Neurological disorders. Negative impacts on general well-being. By failing to take action, the petition states that the World Health Organization is failing to fulfill its role as the preeminent international public health agency. Listen, you got to lower your bar if you're dealing with WHO. Come on, guys. Come on. Adding that the damage from EMF goes well beyond the human race. Also, there is growing evidence of harmful effects to both plant and animal life. I honestly wouldn't put it past them. It's probably attacking them plants, too. Here is why earbuds could be particularly problematic. Joel Moskowitz, PhD from the University of California, Berkeley, and one of the petition's signers, explained that earbud technology is so new that research hasn't been done to detail what effects it could have on the brain. However, he stated in a news release, quote, I couldn't imagine it's all that great for you, noting that AirPods communicate with one another using a magnetic induction field, a variable magnetic field one sends through your brain to communicate with the other. Bluetooth technology like that used by AirBuds is typically low intensity, but it's the close proximity to your brain, you guys, that could make earbuds particularly dangerous, especially since they tend to be used for long periods. Moskowitz said the technology could open the blood-brain barrier, which evolved to keep large molecules out of the brain. He believes that with earbuds, exposure leading to neurological disorders and diseases may be more likely than Answer. From a precautionary standpoint, I would argue you shouldn't experiment with your brain like this by keeping these kinds of wireless headphones on your ears or on your head. You're conducting a health experiment on yourself, and current regulations are completely oblivious to these kinds of exposures. Now, I'm going to end the episode here, you guys, with this little statement. Do you remember when we had big tech, I believe it was Mark Zuckerberg, go and testify to Congress? And our senators, our congresspeople, they are so out of touch with technology because they're all many decades older than us. They have no idea how it works. They asked Mark Zuckerberg, how do you make money on your platform? They don't even understand advertising on the internet, advertising dollars on social media apps, the selling of data, the the basic functions and literally the business model of social media apps. How are they going to regulate big tech if they don't know this kind of crap? So now it's like, take it a step further. How are they going to understand the importance of restricting the potentially dangerous, harmful impact of something like EMF from AirPods? You know what I mean? Like they asked Mark Zuckerberg how he makes money on his Facebook app. We are not dealing with the best of the best. They're not sending their best. I can't remember what that's from. They're not sending their best. Oh, that was Trump from Mexico. (laughs) I need to stop it. Okay, you guys, I'm going to go now. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. I'll talk to you again on Friday. God bless. God bless.